0: I came to a bit of a personal revelation. It was a bit of a personal revelation. It was this, that I could show up to a Christian event or a gathering of friends. I could quote a few verses. I could talk about some things that God had done in my past. And most people would think I had a living and active relationship with Jesus. Now, you may be saying, well, Chris, that's that's exciting. No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to understand. What, what really came to my mind was I could live the next 40 to 60 years off of the last 20 years of spiritual progress and be just fine by Evans, Georgia standards. What's the problem with that? <laughs> That's right. We are not to be holy as Evans, Georgia is holy. We are to be holy as God is holy, right? And so in so many ways, what I think I was wrestling with, I think I think the, the language that I didn't have at the time, but what I was really wrestling with was how do I go on to perfection? A couple of weeks ago, Carolyn started talking about Christian perfection, which we know is not perfectionism. It doesn't mean I do all the right things. What it means is my heart is made perfect in the love of God where my heart is so overcome with the love of God that I'm able to love God and love others through that. So, in essence, that was the question I was really wrestling with. How do I grow in love? Friends, we grow in holiness by continually choosing holy influences because they help us hear the voice of love himself. And let me say this, is it easy to find bad news in this world? Yes, yes it is, right? So, to be honest with you, we need ways that God can amp up the voice of love in our lives so that we can hear His voice first and foremost. So, last week we talked about the three enemies of spiritual uh, wholeness or holiness as being the world, the flesh, and the devil. This week, we're going to take a more practical look at what are the the friends to developing holiness or what are the good influences we need in our lives to develop in holiness. And Those are um, understanding the character or uh, revelation of God in Scripture, real Christian community, and the inner work of the Holy Spirit. So if last week was kind of a, a look at how to get free, this, this week is more of a look at how to stay free, how to grow in God's grace, how to let Him speak to us in ways that move us forward. So before we get to the how-to segment, I want to talk about what holiness is for just a minute. In Leviticus 20, God states, You are to be holy because I, the Lord, am holy, and I have set you apart from the other nations to be my own. Do you hear the language of a lover in that? I've set you apart to be my own, right? Why does God want you holy? He doesn't want you holy because you're like the kid that embarrasses him at some event. No, no, he wants you holy because he wants you to be with him. He wants to hold you. He wants you to know his love in an experiential way. Um, the second reason God wants us holy is because we are the elect people of God. Now, I want to, t- I want to talk about election for just a minute because it is an often poorly understood or poorly taught topic. Okay, So Israel was the elect people of God. But what that didn't mean was that God like chose Israel and everybody else was like, well, it's bad to be you kind of thing. That's, that's not what this thing was about. God elects Israel... To be his people because he wants he wants them to be close to him, he wants to reveal his goodness, his character, his love, his morality, his generosity he wants to impart that into them so that they will reveal that to the rest of the world right in essence he's revealing himself to Israel so that through Israel the rest of the world will see Yahweh right So now in the church age we're the elect people of God, but that's not like God picks. Tevin and he didn't pick Brittany. That's not what that's about. It's th- that he chooses Tevin to reveal himself to, to Tevin so that Tevin gets overflowing with the love of God so that people around Tevin notice so that the circle begins to widen, right? So here's what I want you to notice. The people of Israel needed to be a distinct people because if they were just like the nations around them, what would they be revealing about Yahweh. They would be revealing a lie about Yahweh, right? So, so also, guys, if we're just like Evans, Georgia, what are we going to reveal to Evans? <laughs> a lie, not much. We're, we're not, not going to be revealing to them who God actually is, okay? So that being said, this morning is kind of a how-to demonstration of how we allow ourselves to be open to the grace of God so that the grace of God continues to kind of pour into our lives and, and move us towards holiness. Because, guys, these influencers we're going to talk about this morning, really, ultimately, they keep us awake. They keep us open to the voice of love himself. And in a crazy world, if we want to live as followers of Jesus, if we want to live as God's people, we've got to be open to the voice of love, not the voice of all the negativity around us, right? So... With that being said, at Mosaic, we have a specific discipleship system called Three Steps Forward. And so today, we're going to do a little bit of Three Steps Forward to kind of show you what this looks like, to kind of keep my heart open before God. So, we are no longer in the sanctuary. Nope. We left the sanctuary. Guess where we are? We are, uh, Savannah said it, um, we are not in Starbucks. We however that's not a bad idea. Um, no, we are in my living room it's um it's five a m it's five a m and of course we have coffee. Why do we have coffee for our quiet time That's right because it's five a m and if we don't uh, have some uh some liquid faith, we are going to fall asleep and um so we're all in my living room it's five a m we've got our bibles we've got our um got our, you know, buy, our notebook and pen and paper, that sort of thing, and for some reason, Tevin is we're wearing some weird polka dot pajamas, but other than that, it's a, it's a good morning. Okay, so guys, we're just going to look at a snippet of Scripture, okay? Uh, if if this were really the morning, you might want to read a little more than this, but we're just going to take a snippet just to for the purpose of, of kind of revealing a thing here. Now, here's one thing you want to know. We're about to read Jesus' explanation of the parable of the sower. So if you've got your Bibles out, you want to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 8. And he has already told the parable of the sower, which is this guy goes out and he starts throwing seed. Some of it lands on a path, and he gets eaten up by birds. Some of it lands in rocky soil where the, the plant can't develop a root system down to water, so when it, when it comes up, but then the sun comes up, it winds up getting burned off. Uh, some of the seed lands in soil with thorns in it, and so it, it grows, but then it gets choked out. And some seed lands on good soil, where it produces 100 times what was sown. So that's kind of the background. Jesus has just told that parable, and we're going to pick it up in verse 11. And as we kind of walk through this... I encourage you to just underline things that grab your attention, kind of notice what what sticks out to you. So this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy, but when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, uh, they are choked by the worries of life, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a good and noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, on your Three Steps Forward card... uh, the 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 first thing is contemplation and there are multiple options for each step but we're just going to go with step B for all the steps step B asks this question what do we learn about god through this text now you may be saying well chris the text didn't actually talk about god it's a good observation but the text was told by god right in essence jesus is telling this parable so uh, what is more is the sower probably represents either God or one of God's messengers, like a, a preacher or a, a teacher of some sort. So, I think the first thing that, if, if we're thinking about this, and remember it's 5 a.m., so thinking it all is a little difficult, but, but we're going to get there. Uh, we might come to the conclusion that this text teaches us that God is just and fair, right? He's, he's pouring out seed in all these different directions, right? So he's pouring out seed on the path, on the rocky soil, the uh, thorny soil, the good soil. God is pouring out his grace on people indiscriminate of what spiritual position they're in, right? Because he's just and fair. Second thing we might notice in this is that God is a life-giving God, right? He's pouring out seed that produces life. The spiritual, in the spiritual world, life, hear me on this, life is love, joy, peace, and a deep sense of purpose. So since we all deeply long for a sense of joy, a sense of peace, a sense of love, a sense of purpose and meaning in life, that's what God is pouring out, right? Another thing we might notice is that God is faithful, that he rewards faithfulness, right? The, the people with good soil, With good and noble hearts, they go on to produce a crop a hundred times what was sown. So God, God sees faithfulness and he rewards it. Friends, here's the thing about contemplation. Contemplation allows God's character revealed in Scripture to influence our character. Hear me on that. Contemplation allows God's character revealed in Scripture to influence my character. So I want to say this. People have asked for years, when should I spend time with the Lord? And they always ask the wrong person because they always ask the person that gets up at the crack of dawn and they're like, you should get up at four in the morning kind of thing. Well, here's the thing. The reason why most of the time we advocate spending time with the Lord first thing in the day is I want his character to influence my character before my character influences anybody else. You see that? In essence, I want to receive from him first so that what I'm giving is not coming simply out of myself. It's flowing from the grace I've already received, okay? So there's no legalistic right answer to when to spend time with God. The point is, I just need to understand the flow, that it comes from him to me and then from me to others. Now, another question we want to ask of the text on Contemplation B is, what do we learn about the people of God? I think this shows us that the people of God, has a, they have a rootedness in themselves, right? They have a rootedness in Christian discipleship. They have a rootedness in the Christian community so that when times get hard, they don't fall away. Um, the people of God resist temptations, uh, the worries of life, the desires to be rich and, 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 and to live in the worldly pleasures. They resist those things. So guys, here's the thing. If I'm too preoccupied with money... I'll make money. If I'm preoccupied with making grades, I'll make good grades. If I'm too preoccupied with family drama, guess what? I'll try to keep people happy. But if I'm too preoccupied with any of those things, I will fail to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Right? I'll do a lot of things but miss the only thing that really matters, which is loving Jesus and making disciples of Jesus Christ. I can't have the great commission become the great omission of my life. So this calls us to keep the main thing the main thing. Joel Green in his commentary on Luke says, One cannot escape the fact that Jesus focuses so heavily on the possibility of short-term faith. So we can believe and fall away. So the people of God are a persevering people. They are ones that learn to lean into the grace that God gives and persevere and bear fruit. Now, you might be asking a question, and I'm sure you are because you're smart people. You may be asking, Chris, why don't we just focus on how this applies to our lives? Why didn't we just read it and then go, okay, what does this mean for me personally? That's a great question, and here's the answer. In seminary, they teach you that the Bible is written for you, but it wasn't written to you. Now, that's a really important thing to hold on to. Because it means that it was written to a specific audience. And if I want to know what it actually means, I need to know what it would have meant to them. Right? And so if I don't take that step to go, okay, what does this mean for the people of God? Like, what did it originally mean to the original audience? Then what I wind up doing is what Taylor Williams calls narsegeting. I kind of, I exegete scripture in such a way that it just focuses on me rather than focuses on what God is trying to reveal to me through it. Does that make sense? So, okay, now we've, it's a scene change. We're no longer in my living room. It's no longer 5 a.m. And uh, Tevin's wearing street clothes, not polka dot pajamas now. There you go. I love you, Tevin. I just want you to know that. All right. So, um we're now in the small group room. We're, we're in the prayer room in there, and we're like the biggest small group ever, and we're going to spend some time in confession. Okay, now here's the thing that you need to know about confession. Confession makes space to be influenced by real Christian community by dealing with ourselves honestly before other brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay, that's what confession does. Now, Uh, If you're looking at confession on the card, we're going to be looking at option B. And it starts with this question, what is the hardest life situation of the past few days? What was the hardest life situation of the past few days? Now, what this doesn't mean is that you talk about Aunt Sarah who got a new health diagnosis. Now, what this really means is, when was it hardest to be a follower of Jesus Like, what was the life situation that made it the most difficult to live faithful to Christ? That's the question that we're really dealing with. So, I'll give you a recent example. So again, small group, we're in the prayer room, we're having a little time of confession. Now this is going to stun y'all. You would never guess this, but a few weeks ago, we had some tech issues here at Mosaic. I know, I know, you're sitting there going, Chris, that never happens here. Yeah, and to make matters worse, um, Boy Wonder, uh, who we like to call Zach Fedewa, who's a real blessing to this house, he had the audacity to go on a Christian retreat that weekend. (laughs) So the cameras aren't working, uh, we're having some tech issues, and Zach's out of town, and so I invited my brother Ben, who's a lot more tech savvy than me, to come up here and, and to help us. And so he and I worked on it on a Friday and we got everything up to speed. We were we were at least ready for Sunday. We felt good about that. Um but as we like to say here at Mosaic, just because it was working on Friday does not mean it's going to be working on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. We got we got here on Sunday. Cameras weren't working. The sound on the stream wasn't working, and uh, technology's great when it works. <laughs> um, so it's just me and Randy and Aurea and Jeff. They're in the back trying to figure this thing out. As I look back at that situation, I noticed some basic feelings I was dealing with. I got afraid. I got vulnerable. I got overwhelmed, and I got mad. Those are some basic feelings I was dealing with. and let me say this, guys. Feelings are not bad. They just are, right? They're just the nervous system of the soul. They just kind of report to us what's going on under the radar screen. What can be bad, however, is not the feelings. It's what I do with the feelings. Come on, somebody. Right? So that brings us to a character defect list. Um, I'd like to talk about some of my character defects that showed up that morning. Um, I got self-centered. Um, that was certainly at play. I was worried about how it re- would reflect on me—not just that it wasn't working, but how's this going to make me look? Um, so that's that's self-centeredness and fear. Uh, I was trying hard to control the situation, so control was in there. Let me say this: George Lutz, who's kind of our recovery expert around here, he tells us that um, you can't control persons, places, or things. I don't believe George. <laughs> I think George is right, but uh, by, by the mere fact that I keep trying to control a thing means that I don't quite believe it just yet. Um, and so since my attempts to control everything was not working, uh, I got angry, uh, and then I became too serious. And let me say this. There's nothing better than you're back there dealing with tons of tech issues, the time clock's rolling down, and then you step up on stage. Let's worship the Lord. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Um, so, in response to being mad, afraid, vulnerable, and overwhelmed, I became self-centered, fearful, controlling, angry, and too serious. And that's one of your pastors. You're welcome. So, <laughs> now guys, what I want you to see is once I know the character defects in my life, two roads lay in front of me. The road of shame and the road of grace. The road of shame is paved with shoulds and oughts. Okay, now this is important, guys. Because when I start traveling down the road of shame, I say stuff like, I can't believe I got so fearful, and frankly so angry. I was only thinking about myself and how it would make me look. I should have not gotten so worked up. I should have been thinking about how how others were feeling. Not simply thinking about myself. I ought to be more at peace rather than so vulnerable. And I love this one. I ought to just let go and let God. (laughs) What's the problem with that sort of reasoning? It's not acknowledging that there are still some wounded places in me. It's not allowing me to acknowledge that. Furthermore, it's asking me to act like I'm healed before I'm actually healed. You see that? So guys, as a consequence of that type of reasoning, we wind up adding shame to a wound rather than asking Jesus to bring healing to the wound. You see that? So guys, if that's the road of shame, if the road of shame is paved with shoulds and alls, the road of grace is paved with my weakness and God's power. When I take the road of grace, I'm in a small group, and I offer this type of confession. I say, this past week, We had some real tech issues at the church. I started feeling mad and afraid, vulnerable, and even a bit overwhelmed. Consequently, I became self-centered, fearful, controlling, angry, and too serious. And notice I don't wallow in it. Notice I don't go into the shoulds and oughts. I just confess it as it is. Why? Because my righteousness is found in Christ. Right? I am free to come... By the grace of Christ. And then I may pray something like, God, I got so mad this weekend. I got so self-centered and fearful. Consequently, I I got overly overly serious and, and tried to control things around me. Lord, please forgive me. I just receive His grace. Forgive me, Lord. Please also show me whatever's going under, uh, excuse me, show me whatever is going on under the radar. That makes me so reactive to things like this, things that are beyond my control. This is, if forgive me is about the grace of forgiveness, this is now about the grace of healing. God, just do a work of of healing in me. Lord, you've been setting captives free from anger, control, and self-centeredness ever since the fall. Now, Lord, please set me free and help me to walk in that freedom. And then somebody in your life group looks at you and says, In the name of Jesus, you're forgiven. That's grace. Friends, do you see that just being honest with God about my weaknesses allows His power to come and to do a deeper work of healing and restoration? The road of grace is paved with my weakness and God's power. You see, friends, these uh, character defects are really defense mechanisms. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but they're ways we learn to protect ourselves when we were younger particularly when we were kids. So, so when, when things happen that make us afraid or angry or vulnerable or overwhelmed, we naturally default to these instinctive places in our brains, okay? And so uh, when we feel those feelings, we try to control things we can't control. We get angry um, uh, over the fact that we can't control a person's place and things, and so we turn inward... We turn inward rather than being centered on God. And friends, hear me on this. This is maybe the most important thing I'm going to tell you today. When we try to fix ourselves through shame, we wind up using the character defects on ourselves. So hear me on this. We get mad about the fact that we have an anger problem. Think about that. You're trying to fix anger with anger. Or when you use shoulds and oughts. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have handled it this way. I ought to do this. Well, where are you starting with? I, I, I. What is that? That's self-centeredness. Okay, you're trying to fix your self-centeredness with more self-centeredness. That's like trying to fight fire with fire. It doesn't work, right? In recovery, we tell people self cannot deliver self from self. Right? We need a Savior, and thank God we have one. Friends, at the cross, Jesus scorned the shame. And so, guess what? We will too. We will let shame and fear and control go straight to hell, and we will not chase them down. Friends, the voice of love beckons us to open ourselves up to the love of God. The voice of love opens us up to the grace of God. And guys, here's the thing. When we begin to just acknowledge our problem and invite God into it, guess what happens? God begins to rewire our brains. He begins to rewire us to where we begin to really recognize, I don't have control over the situation. He begins to rewire us so that instead of responding in fear, we start looking for what he's doing around us. We start noticing how he's working, and then we join him in that work. We join him in that grace. Friends, um, grace also allows me to recognize that transformation is typically a process. It's rarely an overnight thing, right? So I, I have grace to, to, to celebrate the victories and also understand that I'm going to misstep some things here, and it's okay. There's repentance, there's forgiveness, there's change, and there's uh, just staying on the path. And so, guys, this is why we take confession in band meetings and life, meetings, life group meetings so seriously, um, it helps us to trust or to build trusting relationships rooted in the grace of God. I have a band meeting of me and two guys I went to seminary with. We meet on Zoom. Uh, guys named Wesley and Hunter. Really good guys. Just just solid guys. Hunter's great sin is that he's an Alabama fan. Um, and so we pray for him. Um, we know that that has to be dealt with before he comes to perfection and love. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but here's the thing. So we're confessing one another's, uh, to one another our sins amidst jabs about college football. And then when we're done, one of us looks at the other and just says, in Jesus' name, you're forgiven. And that is like honey on the tongue, man. That is like grace to the soul. What is more... We wind up discovering each other's common humanity in this. That what they're struggling with is also on some level what I'm struggling with. And and, and it draws us to build a foundation of a friendship on the grace of God. There's just nothing better than that. So now I want to get to the third influencer. The most powerful influencer of holiness in our lives is the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about meditating on the revelation of God. We've talked about developing real Christian friendships where we're confessing our stuff to one another. Now we're going to talk about communion with the Holy Spirit. Communion means being influenced by the Holy Spirit. And, and this comes through prayer from the heart and then listening in silence and in solitude. So here's the thing. Scene change. We're back, back in my living room. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. Here we are. we got our coffee. It's cold by now, Uh, and let me tell you why it's cold, Paul, because we fell asleep, (laughs) and 20 minutes later, there it is, and there you go. All right, so here's the thing. We're going to look at Communion B. In Communion B, you just take Scripture and you turn it into prayer. You kind of take Scripture, you turn it into prayer. So you might look at verse 12, and you might turn it into a prayer like this. Lord, those along the path are those who hear the word. And then Satan comes and takes away the word from their hearts. Lord, as I consider my own life, I know that the enemy has stolen some real joy out of my life. I know that the enemy maybe has stolen some real peace out of my life. And Lord, I'm asking you to restore to my soul peace and joy. And then guess what you do after you pray? Guess what you do? You sit in silence and in solitude. And you listen. You listen for what God wants to say in return. Or maybe you turn verse 13 into a prayer. Those on rocky soil are the ones who receive the word with joy, but they have no root. They they believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. And so you just turn that into a prayer. Lord, I know I don't have the rootedness in me that I need. I'm here this morning at 5 a.m. with the word in prayer. But frankly, Lord, this is one in a row. And I'm asking you for grace for tomorrow to be two in a row. And I'm asking for the next day grace for it to be three in a row. That you would root me in Scripture. You would root me in prayer. Or, Lord, I need to be in a community. Like, I need to take confession seriously. So, Lord, please root me in that. Or maybe turn verse 14 into a prayer. You talk about, Lord, you, you say that seed that fell among the THORN stands for people who get choked out by the worries of life. God, if I'm honest, things at work are eating up my mental space. It's is, is burdening my soul. Would you show me how to deal with this? Would you give me wisdom about this situation? And get very specific. Tell him the specific situation and say, Lord, would you give me wisdom about how to handle this? And then guess what you do? You sit and you wait in silence and in solitude. Are you noticing a common theme here? Guys, let me say this. When you sit and wait in silence and in solitude, you're giving yourself a chance to hear from God. And so you may get a picture. Like sometimes you ask God a question, he gives you a picture. A picture's worth a thousand words. So that's a thousand words from God right there. Bam. Well, what's, what's the point? You just you just thank him for it. Lord, thank you so much for that. Or maybe you hear a word in your inner hearing that's probably smarter than you would have come up with. That's probably God, okay? Or maybe you feel a word. You feel like you're praying and it's like the weight just comes off your shoulders and you just have this deep sense that God just took my stress away from me and, and he is now bearing it with me. Well, what's the point? Guys, when we're in that place of receiving from God, then we just respond in love. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. That is so kind. That is so gracious. And then you sit and you wait and you let God respond to you. And then you tell him, Lord, man, that is is—that's what my soul needed. You are now getting into what Carolyn was talking about a couple of weeks ago, the love exchange, where you're just, you've started by offering... <laughs> things in your life to God. He's speaking to you. You're responding in love. He's responding in love. And friends, this is where the magic happens. When we come to know God like that on an experiential level, our hearts become the good soil. In essence, our hearts, He gets the rocks out of the soil of our hearts. He gets the thorns out of the soil of our hearts. He makes our hearts good and noble so that we do persevere and produce a crop. Do you see that? So, friends, it's in those moments of silence and solitude that what is Jesus's by nature becomes mine by grace. That's that is the whole Christian life right there. What is Jesus's by nature becomes mine by grace. So why does this matter? Why do we need to be under the constant influences of these uh, influences of holiness? Why not simply settle for being holy as Evans, Georgia is holy? Well, there are two two reasons, two answers for that. And y'all go ahead and stand with me. Friends, firstly, this world is a crazy world, and I need the voice of love in my life. I need the voice of of King Jesus speaking love, and I need that to be much louder than the voices around me. So for my own sanity, Jesus died on the cross. He destroyed shame, destroyed uh, sin, so that I could know that voice of love. But the second thing is this. Have you ever noticed that when you go to a wedding... You almost always have to take a double take of the bride when she starts walking down the aisle. Why? Everybody's dressed up in nice clothes. Everybody looks good, but the bride is radiant. Why? Because she's looking at her beloved. Her eyes, as soon as she starts walking down that aisle, she's looking at her bridegroom. Friends, when... uh, We've been invited into this relationship with God so that as our eyes lock with his, we become a radiant bride. Why? So that the world will take a double take at us and then not stay looking at us. Because remember, you, you look at the bridegroom or the bride, you take a double take at her. And then the next thing you want to do is see the, the bridegroom, right? You're looking at him responding to her. Friends, that is the vision of the church is that we become a people who are learning to receive the voice of love in surround sound. by by seeking God in scripture, by seeking God in community, by seeking God in confession, by seeking the Holy Spirit in times of silence and solitude. And as we hear the voice of love speaking continually over our lives, it makes us a radiant bride so that the world takes a double take at us. And then thankfully they don't stay looking at us. They look back to the bridegroom and they see him. That's why this stuff matters. So let's pray for that. Lord you have paid way too much of a price for us to be anything less than a radiant bride but Lord I also I just thank you that that's not a work that we produce it's something we just receive by your grace and so Lord I pray that any false weights that this message may have produced would just fall to the wayside And that, Lord, you would only, hmm. yeah, Lord, that you would pour out that sanctifying grace over my friends in a powerful way. That they would encounter you, that they would encounter the voice of love in a deep and powerful way, God. And, Lord, that it would not be a one-time-only encounter or a 20-years-ago encounter, but, Lord, it would be a consistent encounter of the Spirit of God. And so, Lord, I'm I'm asking you on behalf of my friends, I want you, Lord, in your kindness, start waking us up in in the morning. Make it to where we can't sleep past 5 o'clock. And Lord, give us the grace to to enjoy you in the morning and to let you speak to us in real and powerful ways. We love you, Lord, and we bless you, and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, We'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.